The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. Welcome to The Shepherded Work, a weekly program to help you learn how to live your Christian faith in every place you work and live. Host Mark Goldstein introduces you to individuals who are successfully and effectively engaging in marketplace ministry and gives you the tools you need to do the same. The Shepherded Work is sponsored by the U.S. Christian Chamber of Commerce, building kingdom, business, and community. Now, here's your host, Mark Goldstein. And welcome to another edition of The Shepherd at Work. Mark Goldstein, not in the studio, but uh, (laughs) Mike Gillen is in the studio with our famous guest today, the professor of On Purpose, Mr. Kevin W. McCarthy, not related to the the former McCarthy that, yeah. The, the former house guy. <laughs> the speaker of the house is no more. That's right. I'm I'm happy no, to no, I'm but... happy to invite be invited in now that everybody's ousting me. <laughs> ousting or outing? <laughs> ousting. <laughs> we'll stay with ousting. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, this, this is interesting. This is the first time that I've actually done a show not in the studio just in remote from my office, and we'll talk about that probably after a bit. But Kevin, welcome to the show today. Well, thank you, Mark. It's good to be with you uh, virtually. Exactly. Now, you know, we've been buds for like 30 years, and more than 30 years, and uh, we've we've kind of followed each other's uh, careers as we've gone along. And about a year or so ago, you came up with this term and this program, and we've got to say it very carefully on the air, but it's tough shift. There's an F in there, (laughs) tough shift. So, Kevin, let's start us off by telling us uh, what is tough shift, why it's so appropriate we're talking about it today, and then, uh, you know, why you came so close to the uh, almost the vulgar use of this. Why is that important? So I'm turning the time over to you. It's all you. Okay. Well, first of all, tough shift is an event that occurs in one's life where you have gone through an adversity. And one of the things we know about adversity, particularly those of us who are people of faith, is that uh, it's how God builds character and strength through us and in us. And so when we face these adversities or these tough shift events, For many people, it can throw us into chaos and confusion. Uh, We're disoriented and we start to make either bad decisions uh, or we just curl up in a ball into a fetal position. Uh, We retreat from life. There's all sorts of things that can happen that are not necessarily in our best interest or necessarily what God wants us to be about. So tough shift is also, in addition to an event that occurs, It is also a process for how to work through a tough shift event. So tough shift events really come in two different flavors, if you will. There's positive tough shifts, things that we anticipate and want, such as we're looking for a job promotion or we're wanting to get married or we we want to have children. And these are all positive things that we've looked forward to, but they have a dramatic impact upon our lives. They're not necessarily adverse in the sense that uh, it, you know, we, we tend to think of something adverse as negative, 
but they are adverse in the sense that it challenges the status quo. Uh, you have a your first child, and it's very uh, disrupts your sleep, it disrupts your life patterns, and so on and so forth. Getting married, uh, same thing. A job promotion, you know, something you really looked forward to may involve a, a move. Uh, or now all of a sudden you're leading a group of people that you were once a part of, and that's a challenge. So these positive tough shifter events are good things, but they also uh, disrupt. Similarly, on the the other flavor of tough shift events are negative. And if you want to think about it as a negative event would be um, COVID, for instance, was a nationwide, while well, a worldwide tough shift. It was not sure. something that any of us were looking for. An accident, uh, you know, that if you're in an automobile accident or you trip and fall and you break an arm or a leg or something like that can be a tough shift because it's, it's altering. And uh, so there's a number of these different things. It could be a diagnosis of cancer uh, or, or a diagnosis of something that's uh, changing, you know, the way you live. It could be any number of different uh, events that occur. And so the idea is how do you work your way through these tough shift events so that you come through it faster, stronger, uh, smoother? It's maybe another way to think about it. And, um, and and as a result, you can kind of have a hope in the midst of it. Yeah, it's it's interesting you're bringing that up because the reason that I'm here at home doing the show from here is that a lot of folks know that my wife, Ronnie, is in hospice care at home. She's in her late stages. And really this last year or so has been an amazing tough shift. And uh, but I will say that um, what I've read from you over the years, uh, on purpose person, on purpose business, that really actually the principles I learned have really prepared me for what I'm going through now. That's making this shift uh, a lot easier to deal with. Well, uh, thank you, Mark. I'm, I mean, you know, you and I've known each other since I think 1991 or 1990 or so. Yeah. So to know that it's ministering to you in, in words is uh, certainly a blessing to me. So thank you for sharing that. But more importantly, that it is uh, helping you just uh, hopefully maintain a, a degree of calm and peace in the midst of the storm. And that's really what mm -hmm. Tough Shift is about is, you know, when when as the old expression is, when the uh, you know it's going to hell in a handbasket around you, uh, how do you maintain calm and cool? Uh, that, sure, there's going to be an initial shock, and those those normal reflexes, those fight or flight uh, reactions that we have are are for real. But then, how do you recover quickly from that and come back to uh, the essence of? what it means to be calm, what it means to be strong, what it means to be who you really are. And so that's where the process of tough shift is really an important one. So when we look at the world today, uh, is there anybody who isn't experiencing some sort of tough shift right now? Well, I think there's certainly a universal tough shift going on. I mean, goodness gracious, we could be facing World War Three for that. Mm -hmm. You know, I That's mean, right. it's a it's we just came out of COVID, which was worldwide, and then you have these these temporal events, if you will, that are going on around us. 
and although those are universal, if you will, but the truth is, you know, we can't, we're born, we live, we die. And uh, life in many ways can be perceived as a tough shift. And the real issue is, are you going to fight it or are you going to somehow uh, collaborate with it? So I, I've learned in my life, I guess, that there's maybe two types of people, those that believe that God is conspiring against them and those that believe that God is conspiring for them. And if you can get onto the page of God is conspiring with me, um, the rest of that really, it matters, it's real, but it, it, it pales in comparison. Um, or as a friend of mine once taught me many, many years ago, his name was Bob. And he said, you know, God is large and in charge and I'm just Bob. And that, <laughs> that simple philosophy is really kind of an important one that you can look at, whether it's the Middle East or a, a, a pandemic. You can look at it and say, okay, wait a minute. You know, ultimately, God's victorious uh, through the cross of Christ. And I stand in that kingdom and I don't stand in this kingdom right now. And that gives us hope and peace as as believers here on the shepherd. You know, Mark, if I can jump in on this, the uh, sure. Peter from First Peter chapter two, he talked about something, and this has been a a point of study both for our church and then for me personally because I was privileged recently to speak there uh, on this passage, and he talks about the fact that we're all going to suffer. Some of us, he said, suffer justly, while others are suffering unjustly. And by that, he was saying that when we suffer for things or decisions or bad moves that we made, and we suffer for it, I mean, that's tough, but it's understandable, and we should not be surprised. But then Peter describes the kind of suffering that happens when you haven't done anything wrong. It's, it's an unjust situation. And that is a form of suffering. And you know, God does not prevent that from us. He doesn't uh, protect us from that happening, but instead he calls it a gracious thing in the sight of God. When we go through something that we couldn't help, something that is just maybe part of life, and yet we're going through it, but God is mindful. His eyes are on it. His eyes are on you and Ronnie today. Well, you know, that's that's a great point, though. We are going through a tough shift um, and times are, are dark. We see great light in the Lord. And, and Kevin, um, you know, Ronnie and I very well. And we have grown so much in this last year or so as she's been going through her ordeal. Mm. Well, you know, I think of how many listeners are out there right now sort of going through their own tough shift. And it could be a child mm -hmm. who's wayward. It could be um, an illness they're facing, a diagnosis they've had. There's all sorts of things that our listeners could be going through. And, uh, you know, Mark, I thank you for sharing your story of you and, and what you and Ronnie are experiencing because it is very real. I mean, she's in her last days, weeks, uh, months, perhaps. Uh, and the fact that you're able to come on air and talk about this um, is, I think, in many ways, there's a lot of people that maybe are afraid to talk about these yeah. sorts of things. And this helps them. <laughs> yeah. 
Mark, we're up against a break, well, so let's pick all of this up on the other side, okay? Sounds great. All right. This is The Shepherd at Work. Mike Gilland here in our studios in Orlando with Mark, the host on location at his home office. And our guest today is Kevin McCarthy. We'll be right back. If you're a Christian business person and you want to meet people who want to do business with you, you need to join the Central Florida Christian Chamber of Commerce. Why? Because the mission of the Christian Chamber is to build kingdom, business, and community. And it all starts with the Christian principle of building relationships. To learn more about the Christian Chamber and all the different ways you can get engaged with hundreds of other Central Florida Christian business people, visit cfchristianchamber.com or call 407-258-3578. Ladies, do you want the men in your lives to be better husbands, fathers, and providers? Men, do you want all that and more? Christ-Led Communities has the answer. With men's Bible studies and group experiences, Christ-Led Communities has a curriculum that meets most every man's spiritual needs. Visit clchq.org to learn about your opportunities to grow in Christ in a Christ-Led community. The website again is clchq.org or 407-484-3899. Once again, here's Mark Goldstein. Mark Goldstein sitting in his uh, office chair in his home office, and Mike Gillen in the studio with our guest Kevin McCarthy, and we're talking about tough shift. And Kevin McCarthy being the professor of On Purpose. So, Kevin, we've been talking about tough shift, and you say there's seven questions that uh, seven tough shift questions that we need to ask. So why don't you walk us through that? The first is, uh, is life meaningful? Yes, the question of is life meaningful is a really important question because it really gets to the essence of the meaning of life. And again, uh, sort of like there's two camps. There's those that believe life is meaningless and those that believe life is meaningful. Those in the meaningless camp, there is no cause and effect. There's, uh, in essence, Everything's random. There's no meaning. There's uh, really a sense of hopelessness. So in the midst of of any suffering they have, the best they have is despair. And despair is a a very real human emotion. I don't want to denigrate it. But the truth is that if life is meaningless, it really is a, a dark place of hopelessness. Where if life is meaningful, and this is just a big concept, I mean, is life meaningful or meaningless uh, is another way of asking the question. And if you believe that life is meaningful, then that means your life is meaningful. And therefore, everything that you're about has meaning and purpose to it. And as a result, you may not understand why things are happening or what is going on around you. You may be lost in chaos and confusion. But the difference is you're suffering also comes with hope. And with hope comes the belief that there is something better. Uh, Certainly, again, we can go back to the really, really big picture that is uh, life, death, resurrection is the big hope that we as as believers have. Uh, And and so it's it's kind of one of those things, again, because you're dealing with a a near-death situation right now, Mark, I can. I know a lot of people in church will pray for healing for this person and that person for this cancer or this diagnosis. Or, 
a heart issue or a congestive heart failure, whatever it may be that the issue is, and they're praying for healing, healing, healing. And, and believe me, I see that God heals. Uh, I, 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 my wife has, is a part of a healing ministry. What we often forget though, is that uh, death is the ultimate healing. Yeah. And the, the, it's, it's where we're sort of born anew is another way of thinking about it, not born again in the, the traditional sense mm -hmm. of, you know, on earth, but it puts us in heaven and that is a healing process as well. So death is not to be feared as we're taught in the Bible, but it is to be embraced. And so this is that idea that life is meaningful and that there is a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end, but there's also in our case, a resurrection. Mm. And so, um, so we, we have the ability to stand firm in that. So we, we really get to see things from the big picture and everything else then is in context of that, that bigger overarching principle or, or vision. Right. Because no matter what, you can look at it and say, wait a minute, there's something meaningful going on in my life right now, even though mm -hmm. this is really, really is awful. You know, Mark, with that, uh, I look back at my own life and when Cindy and I lost our child, mm -hmm. our second child, it was that event the loss of a child, which happened to be the number one thing that I grew up fearing in my life that I never wanted to see happen. I prayed would mm -hmm. never happen. And yet it was that one thing that I hated the most that brought about the most change and gave my life the greatest sense of clarity. The, wow. the, the very thing I avoided the most brought the biggest amount of, of change. And that's where God works through the brokenness. You know, this, that's, that's the part of this that's so hard when you're in the middle of it. And yet it, it, it diminishes the, the depth of the pain. And it also, it, the highs aren't as high, I guess, is another way of, you know, you're able to live in, in more of in calmer waters as opposed to uh, high seas and, and low depths. Uh, I don't know what the right expression would be there. The, no. the depths of the ocean versus the, the heights of the, the sun, maybe, but you're able to live more in the middle ground um, and, and be more stable and more at peace. Well, that leads us to the, the second question. Who am I? Yeah, this who am I question is a really important one because there's a lot of conversations today around identity. I mean, think about in just in the political realm, there's we talk about um, identity politics. And so you have really what's going on is these these are not identity issues, identity politics. And whether it's gender, race, uh, ethnicity, uh, favorite football team, whether college or professional, uh, you know, we have these identifiers that we connect to, but they are not our identity. And all of these sources, quote unquote, uh, air quotes of identity are not sources of identity. They are simply packaging. It's just the way that we choose to uh, present ourselves where identity comes from God. And anything other than uh, this question of who am I? Any other source of identity is is really idolatry. Now, uh, do we take it to the point of forming golden calves and uh, doing all, you know, worshiping them and all of that? No, we don't necessarily do that. But the the fact is, is a lot of us can fall easily into the pattern 
of worshiping something with a capital, not with a capital W, but with maybe a lowercase w, mm -hmm. uh, where we love our football team or we love our um, our clothes that we wear or we have our favorite brands. I mean, there's all sorts of uh, mm -hmm. identifiers that are out there that we mistake as identity. And so as a result, when you look at even at the political realm, you know, whenever we have identity politics and people are fighting for their their gender issue or their race issue or whatever is going on, and they believe that that's their identity, um, what they've what they've failed to realize is they're building that identity on a false premise, and that false premise is secular or temporal as opposed to sacred and um, enduring. And so that, this is where the who am I question is really mm -hmm. important. So I ask people, what is the source of your identity? And it's not your name. Um, no, we can look at our name. Uh, Goldstein, that's a nice Jewish boy's name, right? Is an yeah. example. I'm McCarthy. That's a nice Irish name. You know, I can identify myself by that. But, you know, and, and people will say things like, you know, oh, the, you're Irish, so you must drink a lot. Well, the truth is I never drank and I still don't drink. Or Goldstein, you know, you're cheap with money or something like that. You know, they throw all these, these, uh, these oh, yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> so you fit the stereotype in that. But, you know, the, but the thing is, is what happens is we tend to put these identities on people, but they're really identifiers. They're way that they're stereotypes. And, and whenever we are able to dismiss those and understand, wait a minute, that's not who I am. That's just maybe the way I may be, the way that I'm designed. Uh, there may be some things around my preferences and so on and so forth, but the truth is that's not who I am. There's something deeper. And uh, think of your identity as a deeply embedded in terms of who you are, how God made you, and that your identity comes from God. So let's go to the number three. Why do I exist? Yeah, the number three question of why do I exist is about your purpose. And this is answering this question, why do I exist? So if you want to think about it, the worldview the why the, the is life meaningful is first forming your worldview. The second one, why, um, uh, who am I, is helping you begin to identify where is the source of your meaning, and then this next one is the very specific, which is why do I exist? And I have a tool called OnPurpose.me. That's a website where people can go and they can articulate their purpose in life in two words. And so the reason that purpose answers this question of why do I exist and why it is an important question is it now goes from sort of living in the general, uh, the universal life is meaningful uh, world to where now it goes to a very sp specific aspect of who you are. So instead of relying on just sort of the social benefit, for lack of better words, uh, mm -hmm. you are now actually benefiting individually. And that is where the power of purpose really rests, is the understanding of one's unique identity, one's unique reason for being, and it adds uh, richness to both those understandings. And when you understand why you exist, then it's almost like a tumbler in a lock that unlocks and you suddenly go, wow, now I've had almost 11,000 people go through the onpurpose.me tool. And mm -hmm. the stories we have of people who talk about that, it's just remarkable. Now, is that something that our listeners can do? Yes. Yeah, they can just Find go to onpurpose.me for that. 
Oh, perfect. We've got so just enough time for that uh, website again, Mark, before we hit the end of the program. Absolutely. So let, let's wind up the ever-ready bunny. Where am I going? <laughs> Number four, where am I going? Okay, so where am I going is the vision question. And this is asking, trying to look at it and say, where am I headed? And, and if you don't have a sense of where you're going, uh, God's written desires on your heart, and whether you're willing to come to terms with those desires, then that's a whole different question. But you're really looking at it and saying, where is God calling me? Where am I headed? And uh, when you understand that and you articulate that, now you can take the why I'm here and put it with where am I going? And now purpose and vision are working in unison. And Kevin, where we're going right now is to the bottom of the hour. So if it's okay with you, can we pick this discussion up on next week's show? Absolutely. Well, for Kevin McCarthy, Mike Gillen, and Mark Goldstein, we will see you next week on The Shepherd of Work. been listening to The Shepherd at Work. Tune in next week as Mark will introduce you to another marketplace leader who will show you how to live your Christian faith in every place you work and live. The Shepherd at Work, sponsored by the U.S. Christian Chamber of Commerce, building kingdom, business, and community. The preceding was a Mark Radio production.